0: broadcasting live from the business radio x studios in atlanta georgia it's time for midtown business radio
1: Hey, what's up, everyone? It is CW. Thank you for making us a part of your day today here on the Midtown Business Radio Show. I'm hopeful that the stoplights are all green, the traffic is flowing smoothly, the boss is in a good mood, even if it's you. On this week's episode, I sat down with marketing and branding expert, Isha Edwards. I met her at the December Small Business Expo here in Atlanta. Learned a little bit about her story, how she got into marketing and branding on behalf of the small business in particular, having started in teaching around the idea of marketing and branding, first starting in high school and then moving up to, as she explains, college-age students studying business. We spent some time on this week's episode talking about the difference between branding, telling your company's story, who are you, what are you all about, as well as then marketing it effectively, putting it out there in front of prospective customers so that they will convert into paying customers. Coming up, here's Isha introducing us to the difference between branding and marketing. Check it out.
0: There's always this catfight between financial people and marketing people. (laughs) Like, Why do we have to give you so much money? You know, yes. and, and marketing people having to prove themselves and why are we valuable? Right. And at the time, I was focused on brand driven marketing and the value of a story, the product, a company, mission, vision, those kind of things, and how you build out a long term value for a product or a company versus kind of in the entertainment space, things are a shorter cycles. For the moment, you know, you might have fans following you and running after an album for five weeks. And then there's silence versus the Coca-Colas of the world that have been long the household brands that people know and love. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to take that corporate side of marketing and branding and bring it over to the space where it wasn't necessarily acceptable or standard and giving people perspective on how to build long term value and create exchange in a marketplace that made sense.
1: So when we talk, you you mentioned the words branding and marketing and obviously those are different but many people particularly newer entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. uh, as you talked about the artists that you work with may perceive them to be the same but they're not talk about the difference
0: I feel like everything is marketing the big picture. And then branding, PR, advertising, sales all fall under marketing. And some of this, you're looking at me like, what is she talking about? (laughs) So this is where academia and corporate clash. From an academic perspective, marketing is defined in short as creating value to make an exchange in the marketplace, creating value to make an exchange. And the process of making the exchange is PR, communications, branding, sales, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So that's why there's some ambiguity in terms of you know, what is brand universe? You can't live without the other.
1: Stick around. I got the full episode with Isha Edwards of Epic Measures coming up next. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. It is C.W. Hall here on the Midtown Business Radio Show. Thanks for making us a part of your day today. Back in December, I was doing some on-site interviews at the Atlanta Convention Center for the Small Business Expo. And while I was there, I ran into Isha Edwards of Epic Measures. She is an expert in branding and marketing. And we got to talking, did a short interview while we were there at the show. And I said, hey, based on what you're talking about, I think you need to come into the studio and take a little bit more time and share some of your insights around marketing. So, Isha, I'm glad we got a date put together and you were able to come on in.
0: Yes, at the top of the year. So happy
1: to be here. (laughs) This is a good way to kick it off, right? Yes. It's cloudy, but it's a beautiful day outside, so uh, we'll have some fun. So for folks who aren't familiar with Epic Measures, talk a little bit about your background and, and how you got to the place where you decided, well, I need to launch this business and help the small to mid-sized business community.
0: Um, my background is business management, business education, with, uh, with an emphasis in marketing communications management. So I started off in corporate space business management major in Chicago, relocated to Atlanta.
1: So were you doing operations sorts of things? No, I was
0: in financial services. I actually worked for GE Okay. at one point, and then in financial services. And a little taste of that life made me, compels me to want to impart business knowledge to young people long before entrepreneurship and the tech um, technology instruction was popular in, in schools. Um, so I came, and also because I graduated, and I was like, hey, I want to go experience the world. Yes, yes. <laughs> so coming to Atlanta was just temporary. I was supposed to just be passing through right. uh, when I came right before the Olympics. And I ended up going to Clark and at, did an add on certificate on the master's on the graduate level and started teaching in DeKalb County schools. Oh, cool. Yeah. And so right around year number five is when I was teaching an accounting class and I would always have all these guest speakers who were entrepreneurs and senior VPs of companies. And I'd take my students wherever the school system would let me, <laughs> Yeah, including the Federal Reserve. We went to CNN. We went all over the place. And um, one of my students said, hey you know so much, how come you don't have a business? Right. And so as a teacher would, you know, you have to be an example. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to try launching a business. I mean, as a business major, my goal was to be within a corporation, you know, at the senior level. Yeah. But entrepreneurship wasn't at the top of my mind. I just knew that it was a way to empower, give a person an option in terms of career and finances and independence. So launching the business was really a pilot. And it was my goal to try it, to come back to the classroom, get an MBA, and continue to teach. And that was back in 2001.
1: Now, that business was what became Epic Measures? Yes. You were, you were starting out with a focus then on the marketing side of things, helping businesses better the tell their story. I was doing
0: planning. I was doing communications um, for individuals. I had no real—I didn't have a business plan. I didn't do yeah. anything—
1: it just, just using some networking and, yeah, and say, hey, I can do this for you.
0: Exactly. It's mm-hmm. still marketing, but it wasn't structured. <laughs> right. So four years later in oh five, I decided on a name because business started booming. Yay. <laughs> and um, I became an LLC in 2005, uh, segued over into the entertainment space. And uh, the rest is kind of history.
1: So how did you make that pivot? W- were you connected to some people that knew some folks? I mean, it's Pretty not much. always easy to break in there.
0: Yeah. Um, I actually started on the television side as a member of NATAS, the uh, National Academy for Television Arts and Sciences. Um, so I did that for a year as uh, on a referral of a friend of mine or associate. She was PR for, she worked for the Emmys and out of New York and kind of, hey, just... Figure out which part of entertainment you're interested in. So I started off on the television side. And then while I was doing that, I was like, ah, I don't know if I really, really like television. So I knew someone at a uh, record label. And they were like, oh, just come into the studio <laughs> uh-huh. and try out some stuff. So I started doing <laughs> um, artist bios and in-stores and album release parties and all that stuff. and Putting them together, pr- yeah, producing pro- promoting the Promoting indie, yeah. indie artists and that kind of stuff. and. Then I ended up going to conferences. Then I started doing freelance journalism. Then, you know, my my angle had always been business, the business of music, and that was a gap that was um, there was a void in the in, uh, entertainment space where people would focus on the art more than the business.
1: In what in what perspective, when you talk about the business of music, what were you? Focusing on
0: marketing, finance, accounting, all the things that labels typically focus on. Like, why do we put artists on? You know, a lot of people get into the art space and they're focused on talent. You know, I want to be famous. I want to be you yes. know on stage, be, um, behind the mic kind of thing. Versus, how do you make? How do you monetize this? Yes. You know, long term value. You know, classical artists with a catalog that can sell. You know, the Elvis types, the Michael Jacksons type types and such, and so. Just educating them about how they make business out of music and the branding aspects of of music and that kind of stuff. So um, that's where I was, just kind of educating uh, talent about how do you make it in the music industry.
1: Right. So in the early going, you focused almost exclusively, it sounds like, on entertainment.
0: Entertainment, I was doing stuff in academia because I didn't leave my education
1: roots. So you were still teaching alongside. I was teaching.
0: um, By that time, I moved from high school, though, to professional learners, so grown-ups like you. (laughs) (laughs) People transitioning, basically non-traditional business students Yeah. and kind of giving them the big picture. And Some of those students were also aspiring entrepreneurs. So basically, I was taking what I was doing in the K through 8 through 12 platform and did it on a professional learning continuing education space.
1: When you were talking about those business facets, were there particular elements within the notion of marketing that or and or the business side of you're talking about the finances and all of that, were there particular elements you really wanted to drive home for those students so that they would leave with this tool, this thought, this perspective?
0: So, yeah, the seven facets of business that also came out of a class curriculum that I have. I put together some of that came out of hey you know especially from financial coming from a financial services space and knowing that there's always this catfight fight between financial people and marketing people like why do we have to give you so much money you know yes and, and marketing people having to prove themselves and why are we valuable right and at the time i was focused on brand driven marketing and the value of a story the product, a company, mission, vision, those kind of things and how you build out a long-term value for a product or a company versus kind of in the entertainment space things are a shorter cycles for the moment, you know, you might have fans following you and running after an album for 5 weeks and then they're silent versus the Coca-Colas of the world that have been long, the household brands that people know and love. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to take that corporate side of marketing and branding and bring it over to the space where it wasn't necessarily acceptable or standard and giving people perspective on how to build long-term value and create exchange in the marketplace that made sense.
1: So when we talk, you you mentioned the words branding and marketing and obviously those are different but many people particularly newer entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. uh, as you talked about the artists that you work with may perceive them to be the same but they're not talk about the difference
0: I feel like everything is marketing the big picture, and then branding, PR, advertising, sales all fall under marketing. And some of this, you're looking at me like, what is she talking about? (laughs) So this is where academia and corporate clash. From an academic perspective, marketing is defined, in short, as creating value to make an exchange in the marketplace, creating value to make an exchange. And the process of making the exchange is PR, communications, branding, sales, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So that's why there's some ambiguity in terms of, you know, what is brand versus You can't live without the other.
1: Marketing is, hey, I've got this product. Hey, I've got this service in exchange for a little quan I'll give you my product or service and it'll make your life richer for it. Right.
0: And branding helps you differentiate your product in the marketplace from other people. Okay. So you use the branding to, you know, in marketplace meaning if you go back, well, beyond, um, you know, I guess when ships were floating on the ocean <laughs> and people were literally taking their goods and services to a marketplace and yeah. saying... I am selling my rice. I am selling my wares to each other. And, and you know, you might have rice and I have rice, but what's the difference between my rice and your yes. rice? And so if you look way back, I think of Quaker Oaks and, and some of those boxes. And, you know, you would put a label on it to define how you were different. First of all, branding designates ownership. This is mine. This is my mark. So I own it. So if there's a problem with it, then you know who owns it, and who's responsible for the quality of the brand. Mm-hmm. The other thing it does, like I said earlier, is that it differentiates. So when you go out into the marketplace, you have, you know, the, the traditional stands with your mark on it that says, hey, I sell this particular product. And if you come and buy from me regularly, you get a sense of what my uh, product is all about, the quality of the product, the, the service, and what that exchange is like, the experience. Um, of the brand. So um, when people say that they're branding, it's both a verb and a noun. You know, it's the name of a person, place or thing, but it's also an action. It's something active and you can't possibly Well, you can. I mean, back in the day, there used to be black and white generic brands, yeah,
1: <laughs> but right, that yes. is
0: still branding. Yes. And now if you look at if you go to any store, grocery store in particular, they don't have black and white labels anymore. That's
1: right. What it's, do they it's have? It's their store brand.
0: Exactly. So yes. even the black and white labels was a brand. Yes. You know, there's no generic was a brand. Yeah. Just like it called know. out
1: cheap and shoddy, shoddy quality. Right.
0: Exactly. So I mean, <laughs> I can't afford
1: the real thing
0: yeah you're always branding you're always telling your story you're always <laughs> labeling yourself and explaining who you are and differentiating in a marketplace but are you making an exchange is the question and that's the difference between marketing and branding
1: and so it would seem that you've got to start on what is the brand and then build around that Would you, is that not correct
0: so from a marketing standpoint i would say focus on a product
1: what are you? What do you? St- I guess I say that. Okay. I, I guess I say that, assuming that we've got a product okay. that's actually yes. worth talking to <laughs> then, <laughs> someone about.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 So you have a product. You have a yeah. price. Place the for the marketing mix. You get to that point, and then you wrap your brand around that. Yeah. And then, to your yes. point, you go out to the marketplace.
1: And so, from a strategic perspective, I mean, one would have to be, I think, fairly mindful of what is the brand saying. What does it look like? How does it feel when I? consume it visually how or hear it, whatever the case may be.
0: Absolutely, and that's where you get the um, visual identity group, the communications group, you have brand managers, you have PR people, publicists, and those kind of people who are either creating, managing, or sharing the story. And then you think about how you would wanna structure your organization around a marketing team. It also talks about, it also gives you perspective on the value of marketing, that it's not just a group of people who run rampant, rough shot, throwing money all in the air with no particular purpose or directive. Um, part of what your goal is, is to share your story with with the marketplace and convince them to buy your product. Some people don't care about what their story is. And so they just throw it on the shelf or, you know, they mismanage it. And it's kind of, if you think about it, it's like being a person, you know, you're a person, you walk out and you're sharing your story, you're introducing yourself in a networking space and how are you differentiating yourself between at the event that we were at? I, I'm guessing it was five thousand people there. If it was two hundred people there, it was still a lot. Mm-hmm. And if there were five other marketers there, how was I different from everybody else? And how are you different than everybody else? So you're constantly having to manage your story.
1: We've been talking with founder of Epic Measures, uh, marketing and branding expert Isha Edwards joins me in the studio. We've been talking a little bit about. The difference between marketing and branding, the importance of each of those elements. When it comes to marketing, Isha, I assume then we're talking about to begin to actually put the story that we've created with our brand in mm-hmm. front of people through either advertising mm-hmm. or sales efforts of some kind, knocking on doors, ringing phones. Talk about that element.
0: Um, so the strategy of of marketing, um, I try to encourage, I do encourage my clients to focus on the product and align the product with the uh, target audience. Because every yes, everybody will buy something or anything, but you want the particular group that will consume and make an exchange in the marketplace for your product. Um, so positioning is really important. The stories that you share, and when I say stories, really I'm, at the end of the day, I'm talking about advertising. Um, social media particularly is where a lot of brands feel like they can connect and engage directly with their audience, which, which actually I feel social media is that new marketplace. Yeah. Um, beforehand, everything was managed by you know and, con- and controlled by a traditional media. You know, you had to have so much money to get on Super Bowl ads. example.
1: Yeah, <laughs> right. <yeah. laughs>
0: Still have to have a lot of money to get on that. But now you don't have to go through traditional media or have this massive budget to reach your target audience. You can get on the social media platforms and the new media platforms and engage directly with your your target audience and share your brand, share your story. And look for cues as into in terms of what they value, and then for me, I would focus on ways to tweak my product, and de- further develop my brand, and then put it back out in the marketplace. And sometimes brands fail to do that; um, they're just so gun ho about their product. Some people are buying it like right now, which is great. Yeah, it's 2016, but people's life the product life cycles are so much shorter than they were back in the 90s. You know, you can go four or five years on a brand and not really feel like anything's changed but that doesn't feel you don't feel compelled to go and buy or try something different Mm -hmm. and now you can go to the grocery store and I'm not going to name the ones (laughs) that do this but they have samples of everything. You can literally back in the day you you were told not to go to the grocery store hungry. And yeah. now it's like you want to go to the grocery store That's
1: hungry. That's right. I'll because, have lunch on samples. <laughs>
0: pretty much. You know, yeah. they're giving you opportunities to <laughs> sample brands. Yes. So they're already shortcutting or short-circuiting that mindset of, you know, I was uh, raised on um this type of ketchup brand, and I'm going to stick with that ketchup brand. But as soon as I go to the grocery store, they have different samples of different brands for me to try. So my loyalty can change in a shorter period of time than it did before. One, because I've I have more opportunities to engage with other brands, but two, because there's so many other products out there competing for my attention.
1: So it sounds like you've expanded beyond entertainment to be oh. serving now any particular verticals or just small business in general who do you who do you help everybody yeah <laughs> no
0: never say that no so I've shifted um, I, I'm not completely away from music that's still a core part of what I do I work with those in academia and education space um, because that's still a passion of mine to educate um, and I'm now working on in the tech sector okay. so new product launches people who are coming out with apps and such um, uh, the people that I'm focused on now.
1: Okay. And and one of the reasons why I asked that question is because when we're talking about an enterprise, small, medium, whatever the case may be, you're gonna have to dedicate some measure of your revenue to marketing. Okay. Yes. Um, and it's a tough one because many business owners will say, I can't afford I can't afford to advertise. I can't afford to do that because they're trying to guard revenue, but but there again, you're you're really not putting yourself in front of people, it seems that you're going to have to commit, even a small business is going to have to commit to some level of advertising medium or Mm -hmm. a place where they can position themselves in front of the the customer to say, hey, we're here and not just hope somebody finds their website, hope somebody finds their storefront.
0: Absolutely. Um, I have even changed my service options um, to catch the area of market that that are DIY-ish, You know, it's like, I can do this myself. I don't need a publicist, which is the traditional way, or I don't have to pay for advertising. Um, So I have options where people can say, hey, I just need guidance. You know, how do I structure? What's my strategy like, my communication strategy or my marketing or my branding strategy? And there are just like a plethora of tools in the marketplace that are free or inexpensive down to the fact that you can create your own little quote unquote ads and not be a graphic designer or anything like that. Canva is one of the tools that I use. Um, And it's like, if you know how to put a PowerPoint together, you can put an ad together. The rest of it is creativity. You know, you might pay a dollar for artwork if you don't have your own stock images or other images, and you can lock and load them. Even the promo I did today for our um, chat was done by way of Canva. So there's a plethora of tools in the marketplace that can um, will help you remain within budget where you don't necessarily need an expert to do everything for you, um, but certainly to guide you. And Unless you're uh, versed um, in the marketing space and communications, you understand how tactics and tools and strategy works, then the rest of it is just, you know, you can DIY it.
1: Do you have advice for the entrepreneur on how they need to set up the department, if you will, the, the folks that are handling those efforts to be able to make sure that they're <laughs> all rowing in the same direction. I assume in that case, we're talking about a, a larger, you know, maybe approaching a, a mid-sized business or at least a larger, small business where they're actually going to have like a marketing department. And it's not the owner who's mm-hmm. part of the time running the register, part of the time being the marketing department.
0: Right. Um, it works both <laughs> ways. So on the bigger end, you have a chief marketing officer in a bigger company. And of course, they, they that person would have a staff. And one of the things I want to back into is that um, marketing has been split between business school and schools of communications and PR. Um, and as a result of that, those, that, that talent um, group go in two different directions. Um, and wait, the way businesses now, those two talent pools need to start working more closely together. So uh, traditionally, a CMO would be more strategist, brand is product placement and that kind of stuff. Whereas the PR communications group would focus on publicity and, and PR and, and in this case, social media. So you don't have to have literally a CMO in a small business, but you certainly need to have a marketing director or coordinator or someone who understands both sides of Of the marketing um, pendulum they need to understand the business strategy side of marketing as well as the communications piece of marketing um and then thereafter you would have a team and these days the way uh talent is is kind of sectioned off is you have a the publicist overlaps and they do the social media or they might have just one person solely dedicated to social media the other thing that happens um, is that Salesforce is either in, is either insulted because they're not involved or they're so involved that um, marketing directors don't c- focus on involving sales with social media, with PR, with advertising. Um, it's not one or the other. It's all of those pieces as it relates to your business, but also as it relates to the product. So that's why you have to take a step back and look at what it is that you're selling. Who's your target audience? How do you reach that target audience? Then you can back into which tactics and tools you need to employ. And then that determines what kind of what your your team looks like. Do you need a CMO? If not a CMO, you have a marketing manager, coordinator who understands all these aspects of marketing and can manage and oversee everybody's role as it relates to a campaign or building awareness, credibility, sales, and engagement.
1: You talked about marketing strategy and marketing tactics. For the for the listener, talk about the difference between the strategy and the tactics around their marketing efforts.
0: So, in my opinion, <laughs> so when I do strategy, I'm thinking of product, price, placement, and promotion, which is the marketing mix, and that's also an academic. Um, so you look at what you have, how do you distribute it, how much it costs, and how do you promote it? And under promotion is where you get advertising, sales, PR, et cetera. What was the
1: other thing you said? The difference between <laughs> the, the Well, between strategy and tactics.
0: Oh, tactics. Okay, so then the tactics are some of the things that are currently out there. Do you use Google AdWords? Do you use social media marketing? Do you use inbound marketing? Should you blog? Those are the different types of campaigns or uh, tactics that you can employ to meet a certain goal. So basically, you have to have the big picture, which is the strategy, and then impl- the best word to use as an alternate for tactics is implementation. How do you implement your strategy? Here are the various tactics you, you can use.
1: Whether we go into print media or broadcast media or digital. Tra-
0: traditional, like new media, any, email, all those things. all that kind email of Email marketing, absolutely. All those things. It's not... You have to do all of them. It just depends how do you, how does your target audience engage? I have a client, new client who does trade shows. Um, One other client, he just does email marketing, but he has a whole lot of content though. Whereas the trade show, they're selling something. So they're like, oh, well, we should blog. No, why are you blogging? Well, because everybody else is blogging. (laughs) Is, (laughs) Is your target audience actually reading blogs? No, then why would you blog? I don't know. We just need to talk to our customers. Okay, well, maybe we do some email marketing. If
1: nobody's reading it, then you're not talking to anybody, (laughs) (laughs) talking to yourself.
0: Right. But I mean, even in that, it's like, why would you go and create a blog when you might be able to write articles for an existing publication that already houses your target audience? You know, I mean, I would rather pay to place an article than I would go and launch a blog on my
1: website and have to...
0: um, A lot for the manpower to manage a
1: blog. Now, when you say pay to place an article, is that is that paid editorial? Is that what we're saying (laughs) that that you can put your article that you wrote in our in our publication, but it'll cost you twelve hundred. Something like that. You
0: to hundred, But yeah, you can do that. Or, I mean, if your content is good enough and rich enough, then they might make you a, you know, a feature editor or article. You know, just there's so many opportunities that you can position yourself. And as an authority in your industry, that's probably one of the best ways to do it, to be positioned as an, an expert instead of having to pay for content to be placed.
1: Do you have... A general thought between, I know I do, uh, between B2C and B2B in terms of where to place themselves, I I ask that with my own, I'll I'll share my own perspective on that. I I believe when you're B2C, obviously your customer is everywhere. Mm -hmm. So anybody that can consume or wear this clothing or consume Mm -hmm. this beverage, whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, you just got to throw it out there uh, as many eyeballs and ears as you can reach, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, But when you're B2B, I, I feel like, Going down what would be viewed as traditional routes of advertising, Mm -hmm. print media, Mm -hmm. broadcast media, like TV and broadcast radio, Mm -hmm. that you can end up quickly spending a lot of money, but you're you're being put in a position where you have to overly trust statistics, meaning we have 400,000 listeners on The Sean Hannity Show. If you Mm -hmm. put your ad here, you're, you're... you know, XYZ CIO that you need to reach is probably going to be listening, and that's you get your calculator out and you're like four hundred thousand listeners. If I got a half a percent of response to my ad that costs six thousand dollars, I will be too busy to handle it, and I'll just be freaking out. It'll mm-hmm. be totally worth that money, and they, mm-hmm. so that, so they they end up trying to get you into those statistics to, to create a big spin. It would seem to me that for the business to business community, digital and social are the more cost-effective ways uh, to go. That's my thought.
0: Um, I I, w- I can co-sign that. Um, I think, I believe that just nearing the exchange, it's like, so business is not, business is personal. Um, at the end of the day, if you're talking about C-level executives, nine times out of 10, they're not the final decision makers. So when I talk about how do you engage your audience from a B2B level, I'm thinking purchasing agents um, and maybe they're, the person who's senior to them. And a purchasing agent can be as simple as an administrative assistant, quite honestly, depending on what kind of organization you're in. Um, if you're selling something. If you're selling like a service and you're trying to do training or consulting or something, right. then yeah, you might involve. So you really have to do something called um, develop a persona. Who's actually buying your product? Who's the final decision maker yes. in this exchange from a B2B standpoint? And then figure out how you engage with them. Purchasing agents are probably looking at um, not listening to radio broadcasts.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sorry. Right. Right.
0: But they're probably reading, you know, uh, industry publications, which you would only know at either a trade show or pretty much picking the phone and calling a company, co-calling them and asking the receptionist, how, you know, can I talk to someone in your purchasing department? What is your process for X? You know, buying, selling, et cetera. And half of them all have you just need to be listed. And even with the government, you just have to be listed. And then the rest of it is how do you engage with the person who actually makes the decision? So I, it really depends on your product. It depends on who's the buying person and where do they normally engage? Um, do you run into a CEO at a, at a, uh, at a, on a golf course or at a networking event? Pretty much. Yeah. And then that's great. You would position yourself in those, especially if you're a small business, you want to get in and network with people one, one to one, face to face, yep, yep. get their business card and find out for them what's the best, who's, who is, cause it's probably still not that CEO. Who's the person who makes the decisions by X? I need that person's information. And then you follow up with X and then you figure out, okay, here's my idea. Let's say you land that sale this is my ideal customer. This is what I did to get that particular customer. And let me see if I can duplicate that process with my ideal customer in this particular organization, et cetera. So it's less, um, I don't want to say organic, but the whole jump on, you know, do these ads and do all this placement and hoping for a miracle, more than likely you get somebody who's not your preferred customer. It's a secondary or a third audience. Yes. And that includes ads on websites and that kind of stuff. And, you know, low-hanging fruit, call it what you want. It's okay, but it's not the person that you ideally want to go after. Yes. So because businesses are comprised of people, you need to figure out how people want to engage or make that exchange with you in the
1: marketplace. So if I'm going to invest revenue, then investing revenue, if I'm a business to business, Mm -hmm. that's where we tend to focus our our, uh, discussions here more than anything. Mm -hmm. Um, So if I'm B2B and I need to talk to the C-suite, then investing in a place where or a channel if you will Mm -hmm. that's going to put me face to face with that person is the best obviously not just uh, advertising on a medium that says oh millions of viewers Mm -hmm. because that's that's investing in hope in my opinion right
0: unless you're like on the (laughs) Wall Street Journal level you know there's certain publications that if you get posted in there certain C-suite people are reading that even politicians are reading certain publications every morning yes you know and I know this being on the journalism side Um, so From that perspective, that might be an ad, that might be a a, a directed ad, um, or you might do an editorial, which is really hard to get on, um, or something like that where you're able to engage or get mentioned or something like that. I think it's good to still have two things going on. It's like you want to build credibility because, you know, you might meet that CEO and they're like, okay, but who's this person? (laughs) Like if your name is not cycling at the top, you're not that industry go to X, then it's like, yeah, they collect your name, but what incentive do they have to follow up with you? So you have to have a balance of your credibility, you know, that you're in places where you should be. You also have to have um, open dialogue with people who have the, the power to make a decision for you. So, yeah, you might end up paying for a conference to be at a conference, take that money from advertising and pay to go to the conference to get in front of the people that you need to talk with versus, you know, every month you're just money's going out the door and you're getting these clients that are not who you need to be. Mm-hmm. Then the other part of your budget can go towards publicity, which would come from, you know, feature articles and that kind of stuff, either paid or not.
1: What's the process like that you go through with an entrepreneur or a business executive to determine the best approach with regards to how much should a, I've got this pot of revenue coming in? Mm-hmm. How much I don't know if if you would define it as a percentage of revenue to Mm -hmm. to help illuminate the strategy. How do you determine this is what we should invest in marketing? And then assuming then if we place that well, that the the conversions of people to become buying customers will more than pay for what we spend. Hopefully the sales that come from whatever that is Uh will bring back factor X of my spend.
0: I look at more of the total sales that would come back from from the exchange. So I know some people do their marketing budgets based on how much money revenue comes in. They might say twenty, fifteen percent of sales is how much we allot from marketing. Yes. Dollars in that aspect. Um I think as a small business owner you you might not have the leverage to do it that way because it's like sales is sales. <laughs> I'm living on every dime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sales yeah. and sales. So um I, I'm all about minimize your expense. And that goes back to being a business person and understanding finances. Is that, you know, I've seen conferences, there's one exchange where it was like 39 it was paid pretty much $4,000 um, in a marketing spend just to, to supposedly be in front of all these people. Have a and I'm booth. like, yeah, and I'm like, $4,000? Let me see how I can break that down. You know how much, what I can do with $4,000 on a marketing person that doesn't, that I can still get in the right place without positioning myself or spending that kind of money so a lot of it is just using the creativity to say you know what else what's my plan b and sometimes you have to ask the person because they'll just give you what they want to sell you versus saying okay what's the option maybe i don't want to have a booth how about if i just have a table or something you know what if i just do uh inserts in, a, in the in the or
1: just attend and walk around and yeah. <laughs> say hello to people
0: <laughs> or just pay for the conference. And like this one guy did was, Hey, I have this seminar come to it. And he was just, passing yes. not, I, I mean, there was nothing illegal or wrong with that. So you get, you pay if it's 50 bucks or whatever to get to the conference, different from $4,000 for a booth you know, and you can still get a lot more traction. I, I,
1: I think depends on the conference. I think that some actually, I don't remember what they, I think there's actually a term for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not necessarily shown in the brightest light, but I, I I guess it depends on the conference as to whether or not you can actually engage in a measure of open marketing, if you uh-huh. will, <laughs> while you're an attendee instead of an exhibitor, I suppose. I can't right. remember what they call that, but. Um, but
0: people, I mean, t- even if that wasn't your intent, people do it. You walk around, you meet people, and you just give them your car. And it, it mm-hmm. wouldn't be a business card, it'd be a an, an event specific promo. I see. Um, so there's tactful ways to do that.
1: Mm-hmm. And, when you're when you're engaging with uh, a business, how often do you see some questionable management styles or decisions around how they view, you know, just their <laughs> sense of ethics that affect the success or not of the brand that you were talking to?
0: Unfortunately, all the time.
1: <laughs> Willing to cut some corners here and oh, there?
0: cutting corners. just It's not even cutting corners. It's just like, you know, I'm trying to get, people have tunnel vision. I'm trying to get to the end of that tunnel. It's more like by any means necessary. Um, and that's unfortunate because... A lot of time, and it, some some of it depends on who's who's leading the charge because you realize that a lot of companies are owned by or managed by other people. If it's your business, you have more control of what you decide to do. So I think it starts with your vision and mission statement. Um, part of your branding process should entail what are you offering, what are your your ethics from the beginning. That way, when you get out into the marketplace and you're working with vendors and customers and that kind of stuff, you can always revert back to your vision and mission to to pretty much keep you honest, because if you don't keep yourself honest, I promise that your customers will. The marketplace is not the most uh, marketplace. People who are out buying in the marketplace are not the most honest people. They will haggle <laughs> you down to pennies. However, they want you to be very honest. They want oh, you to have course. integrity. Yes. And if you said that this is what it is, then this is what it better be. Guess what? Because they're going to call customer service and you're going to hear <laughs> airful. They're going to be on Twitter telling you how sorry, why my bags didn't get where it was supposed to be when you said it. It was 20 minutes and it was <laughs> 21 minutes I waited and get. And they want rewards for that. They want compensation for that, for you not being have an integrity so um i haven't seen anybody that um and integrity meaning that so there's there's what's permissible by law (laughs) versus just strictly illegal a lot of what i've seen is permissible by law but it may not have integrity in terms of being a brand yeah and that's where a lot of people just skate on the fine line and you're like at the end of the day just make it yes or no instead of you know because people look at you sideways so I see it. I it makes me cringe because at the end of the day, um, you're you're an example as a, from a leadership perspective. But if you're in business, people want other people to hold them accountable, but they don't they don't say that. You know, it's more like you you want to um you want to feel good when you make that sale. At least I do. I want to feel like I have done I have been excellent. I have done that person right. Uh, because I'm dealing with a person and people give referrals. That's why word of mouth is so powerful, because if I've had an excellent exchange with a quality product and a person who cares about me as a customer, then I'm more likely to refer other people, especially when it comes to the B2B space and people who are providing a service versus a good. Because to your point, an, an object can't commit any crimes. You know, there's no PR crisis with a bottle of, of soda um, or even a can uh, of, of, of oil <laughs> for your car. It's the people that sell them the product. So it's, it's important to have integrity and and match what your vision and mission statement is and the, the brand promises that you, you've said you're going to um, exchange in the marketplace because one way or the other, it comes back to you.
1: We are in a crazy political cycle so there's plenty of news and opinions around the folks that are running things they're saying things they're doing there are plenty of things in the entertainment space where people are saying and doing crazy things so there's always a temptation to jump in thinking if I'm a part of this conversation well I'm getting my I'm getting my brand out there a lot of people are talking how 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 risky is that very
0: risky um very risky risky as it relates to the authenticity of your brand and it is tempting it's 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 the greatest temptation of the human will not to say anything I saw an exchange last week where uh, a major publication brand jumped in and threw shade as the word is and um, the saying goes into a, a conversation that One, I wouldn't have expected them to add their two cents, too. But I mean, in one way, it's like I I see what you did right there. Like (laughs) because they didn't leave their their angle in terms of being a financial business kind of publication. But it's like we don't expect you to get into those kind of conversations. Um, At least I certainly don't, especially for the history that their brand has. And it was the kind of catfight and exchange that they probably shouldn't have gotten involved in. Um, So, you know, you have to pick your battles (laughs) on those things, but you also have to be authentic. I think if it can be done in a meaningful way that is maybe funny or um, memorable, but not... Um, hey, I'm doing this because I want eyeballs, basically. Like you said, yes. at the end of the day, there's a marketplace with a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of competition. And basically, particular social media is the place where you can get eyeballs just by jumping in on a trend. Yeah, And I think if it's not, I believe if it's not authentic, then the long-term value of that is is, is not going to be positive for your
1: brand. So many times people want to be snarky when they go on to those types of situations. And I can't tell you, I haven't had a whole lot of times where that ended up going well for whatever company Uh was being represented by the tweet. And and who knows, uh, that goes back to your discussion about having a measure of strategy and awareness around how you structure
0: Mm -hmm.
1: who is telling who what. Right. uh, To have a measure of fairly close, I guess, rules around what is tweeted, for example, what mm-hmm. is put out into the social media? Because as you talked about it, all it takes is a m- just click one and, <laughs> and you're global and it can be it can be thousands or even millions, depending on how crazy, whatever the thing is. Right. And you never you're know. Viral and you don't really want to be very viral yeah, very often you, unless um, it's something fantastically good.
0: Right. You never know how people are going to take a tweet. Um, we're, we're in a very sensitive time because so many issues are coming up, which I think are good. I think you know, part of communication is being able to talk to people and find out what's going on and what they think. Um, but you have to be really mindful and uh, I hate the word strategic. You just have to be mindful of what you say and how that impacts. So there are people who, particularly writers, I think are good at this. They can they can Rubik's Cube content. You, you know what I mean by that? Like the old school Rubik's Cube and mm-hmm. you line up all the colors and there's but there's four sides to it, right? And so... Um, Being able to take a a concept, or in this case, a tweet, and then, okay, well, from their angle, they were looking at it from the blue side. But if they flipped it around to the green and the orange and the yellow, would they get the same response? Um, And so this is where it's important to have um, a marketing person who's an expert in publicity and PR communications. Because they can look at um, an angle of a story um, and say, well, I wouldn't put that out because here's the three other ways that this could be misconstrued or um, perceived. And then you balance that out with, OK, what am I in the position to manage the backlash that would come from the yellow side of <laughs> perspective versus the orange and the blue kind of. So that's kind of how I, I look at things It's like, oh, OK, if I say this, I'm, I'm prepared to take whatever comes with it, which is part of brand integrity right? Because the other part of it is something happens and people are quick to say, oh, well, my intern did that. Or I didn't know, you know, all of a sudden you're just a deer in in headlights. It's like, no, but you're a leader. You're responsible for that period. At the end of the day, you're in charge. So it doesn't matter which staff person put out what message, communication strategy or what have you. Um, I've seen milk commercials (laughs) that didn't advertising things last year that that wasn't copacetic. And it was like, did anybody on your team look at that from a different angle and think that, hmm, that's probably not the thing you to know, do?
1: <laughs> I have to say, so many times I see ads and I'm just like, really? How did? You, how did? How did that go by? How did they go? That is awesome.
0: <laughs> and that goes back to, to me. That ties directly into d- 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 the diversity issue. You have to have multiple people at the table. From different angles, looking at a, a, at an ad, at a comment, at at anything to say, OK, how is that going to be perceived in the marketplace? But if you have a linear mindset about something, it's like, yeah, a whole bunch of people thinking the same thing will absolutely say that's cool. And then they put it out there. They're like, OK. And then they're pulling the ads, which spend, they spent all that money. You know, lots of money. Now get they're it.
1: not just out the ad spend. Now they're out PR efforts to right. try so to now attack, they're turn it around. Right.
0: Yeah. Damage control. So you, yeah,
1: we weren't going for damage control. So isn't
0: it cheaper just to get somebody with a different perspective? Yeah. To get, give you balance and perspective? <laughs> <laughs> or to reel you back in and say, hey, that doesn't align with your brand.
1: So, <laughs> so what sorts of projects are you working on right now?
0: So I am working, And speaking of being in the tech sector, I am compelled now to upgrade my... <laughs> experience and um, convert a lot of the teaching content that i have over to a tool an interactive tool um, and eventually that should be a web app um, so the seven facets of business there's a checklist there's um, a profiler there are different resources that help small businesses in particular or people who are neophytes to the business
1: experience so would that platform be something that's like a subscription type Engagement, if you will, pay to have access to the tools, uh, some sort of small fee. How do, or are you are giving that away?
0: Right now, uh, the checklist is just a digital piece. It's on there um, on the website, epicmeasures.com for free. The profiler um, is, is also a free tool per se, uh, in quotes, <laughs> in the sense that once you complete the profiler, the goal is to have consulting around that. So there's a an exchange sure. for that. At once all of this stuff is packaged together in one set, then it will be several different ways to access it, including paid and discounted or free. So, like for ed- for those who are in education, I envision giving them a discount for it, whereas those who are in um, in B two B spaces, etc., would just pay standard rates for um, use of the tool. So it's licensing. I'm looking at some things like that. So basically, I'm doing a non traditional. Um, startup launch in the sense that I'm I'm testing the product as I'm using it Um, so that's why I'm looking at the interactive process before I do the web app because that's pretty expensive
1: I saw something about ID8 sessions what are those all about
0: yeah so you think about so there's This is what we're doing now, actually, we're just talking and discussing and thinking about ways to to brand and do things differently. So the IDA session is an opportunity to to chat with me about ways that you can market better, effectively brand, looking at your product, looking at it from those four sides, not just from a PR standpoint, but from a product placement standpoint, from a messaging standpoint and seeing how you can add value to your product. So when you go out into the marketplace, you're able to make a successful exchange.
1: So with with Epic Measures, are you growing mostly just by happy clients saying, hey, I worked with her and she was great? Or are you marketing in some other way that's working for you? I'm
0: doing what I'm telling you all to do. Okay. <laughs> um, so part of my because I teach, so that's different from other consultants. They typically work. There's the ad agency experience and you have all these worker bees working on different projects. So part of my engagement is the instructional standpoint, seminars and workshops. Um, And then I do have people word of mouth, but a lot of it is things like ideate and putting messages out in the marketplace to a particular target audience through social media and other Mm -hmm. platforms. Mm -hmm. I also have um, many promos that I pass out when I have Um, either speaking engagements or when I just go to, I do a lot of networking. So just literally the first part of this year, two or three networking events, I was able to retain clients that way. But again, I know my target audience. So I'm hanging out. This is what, so this is the wonderful thing of of having started in marketing in the the music space because this was back when guerrilla marketing was the thing. Um, If you want to get access to a community, you have to be engaged in it so i immersed myself in the music industry went wherever everybody whatever was going on that's where i was and so, so like award
1: shows on top of comp uh, concerts i'm, and I'm so a forth. member
0: of the grammys that's uh, the uh, the recording academy here in atlanta so i've been to the grammys i've been to grammy events right. like c-sac all that sort of stuff i've even done workshops for c-sac here in atlanta C, uh, songwriter boot camp out in 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 la that kind of stuff so I make myself available and accessible where my target audience is. Okay, And the most amazing thing that came out of that is that I was almost always the only person who was a brand marketing person. There was always a publicist. There was always an attorney. There was always a lawyer in the room. But in terms of finding someone who had my skill and skills and experience in bringing the business of music to the table, that's how I was able to differentiate in that marketplace. And so I've taken that same model and applied it to... Um, academia, as well as um, professional services and and now technology, which is a little tougher nut to crack, but I'm up for that challenge.
1: So where do folks go to get more information? You mentioned the website. I know you're on social media.
0: Yes. Epicmeasures.com, email service at epicmeasures.com or call 404-374-4482.
1: We've been chatting with Isha Edwards of Epic Measures, branding and marketing experts with her team. And if you are listening to the podcast, you've not done so already, in the upper left-hand corner of the show page, you'll see the Apple logo there. That'll take you to the iTunes store where the Midtown Business Radio Show podcast is located. Subscribe to us. If you're a B2B company, you've got solutions for the business community. What a great way to get to know prospective clients, to learn about their business, to learn what's important to them and be able to say, hey, I heard I heard your interview, and as it happens, we can help you with thus and such. Great place to start, and we hope you turn around and share this information with your social networks because you might just put some information in their hands that helps them out. You didn't even realize it other than just the fact that you said, hey, check this out. I know Isha, and she's a great person. Um, so, Isha, I really want to say thanks so much for joining us in the studio. Really pleased to have met you at the Expo and now here in the studio.
0: Yes, Wonderful exchange. Wonderful making an exchange <laughs> with you.
1: <laughs> and for all the folks out there who made Midtown Business Radio a part of their day day, I want to say thank you very much. We look forward to seeing you all same time, same place next week. We'll see you then.